You're listening to the St John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Bible reading is from Matthew chapter 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tombs, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, that they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If, the report, if this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thanks, Abby. Good evening, everyone. Good to be with you and and happy Easter. I hope you've had a great day uh, celebrating in different ways. Uh, My name's Tim, I'm the Senior Minister here at St John's. G'day to everyone watching on our live stream as well. It's great to have you with us wherever you are. So for thousands of years, uh, humans like us believed that the sun revolved around the earth, right? That that we were in fact the fixed point, the the stable centre, and that everything else revolved around us. Uh, It makes sense that people thought like that because we see things, don't we, from our own perspective. We tend to see things through our own frame of reference. Uh, And we still use terms like sunrise and sunset because that's what it looks like to us. And then in around the year 1500, along comes this guy, Copernicus, uh, who observes the sun and the stars and the planets, and he puts forward this radical new theory that in fact, the Earth and the other planets go around the sun rather than the other way around. 
right? It's, it's so obvious to us now. We, we just know that this is the way that our solar system works that it's hard for us to get our minds around just how radical this suggestion was when it was first put forward. It required a complete paradigm shift, uh, an entirely different frame of reference and a way of viewing the world which was entirely different to what had gone before. Uh, it's no wonder that it actually took another century of research from people like Kepler, Galileo, Newton, uh, before Copernicus's idea was universally accepted. Well, today, Easter Day, we're celebrating another Copernican event, if you like, right? For Christians, today is the most important day in the entire year. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, an, an event that changes all of history and which challenges us to change our frame of reference, to change the way that we view the world. It's a paradigm shift that challenges the way that we live our lives and who they revolve around. So I want us to look at this passage uh, that Abby's just read to us from Matthew 28, and I want us to think about the facts of Jesus' resurrection, the alternatives to Jesus' resurrection, and the meaning of Jesus' resurrection. So first, let's consider the facts of the resurrection. When Copernicus worked out that actually the earth goes around the sun, he did it because he made certain observations, right? He saw things, he noted it down, he put it into his calculator. No, he didn't have a calculator. Anyway, he probably used pencil and paper and did all the calculations, but it was, it was based on facts and data. And similarly, in our account here from Matthew and all of the other gospel accounts, the biographical accounts of Jesus' life, they're reporting real observations, right? Eyewitnesses to the events. People like uh, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary who headed out to the tomb on the first day of the week at dawn. Now, these women, we know from the previous chapter in Matthew, these women had been at the tomb when Jesus had been put in the tomb. So they knew where to go. They knew where Jesus' tomb was. The only trouble is that when they get there, it's not the way that things were last when they saw it. The stone's now been rolled back and there's an angel sitting there to greet them. Uh, not surprisingly, they're afraid. I sure would be if it was me. And the angel greets them with these words. This is verse six. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. So here's the first fact, if you like, of the resurrection, that Jesus' body is no longer in the tomb. The angel puts it plainly, he is not here, and then invites the women to investigate that evidence for themselves. Come and see the place where he lay. You can look for it, but it's not there. The body is no longer in the tomb, it's gone. So what's happened? Well, the angel interprets the empty tomb as well. He has risen just as he said. So the reason that there's nobody in the tomb is because Jesus is risen from the dead. He's come back to life. And the angel goes on to instruct the women to share this good news with other people. Verse seven, go quickly and tell his disciples he's risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. So this is the second 
key fact of the resurrection, that Jesus actually appeared to people. People saw Jesus. The angel here predicts that Jesus will meet with his disciples in Galilee, and that happens in our passage down in verse 17. That's probably when the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 is listing a bunch of appearances of Jesus after his resurrection. That's probably where Jesus appears to about 500 people at the same time. But before that happens, the women get in first. The first witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus are these women. They run off to find the disciples, but we read in verse nine, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshiped him. Now, do you notice there the, the senses that are named and involved? They see Jesus, they hear Jesus greeting them, and they touch Jesus as they grab hold of his feet. They probably smelt him as well, that's not mentioned. I doubt they tasted him, that's just weird. But my point is that this is a tangible, physical, sensory encounter with Jesus, right? It's not an illusion or a hallucination or some sort of spiritual manifestation. Jesus, who was dead and buried, is now alive and present and engaged relationally with them. He is risen. Now, people often say, look, hasn't modern science disproved this whole idea of the resurrection of Jesus? No, modern science has done nothing of the sort. Everybody in the ancient world, as well as everybody in the modern world, knows perfectly well that dead people don't come back to life, right? You don't need Copernicus or Newton or even Albert Einstein to tell that fact. In fact, people in the ancient world probably had more personal experience with death than we do today. They didn't have funeral directors to whisk bodies out of homes. They dealt with it in a way that we don't actually deal with it. And so they knew firsthand that dead people stay dead. It's a little bit of a piece of historical arrogance on our part to sort of think, oh, we know stuff about death that they didn't know. They, they knew it. <laughs> dead people stay dead. It's an agreed and universal fact. So the Christian claim is not that sometimes dead people come back to life and gosh, Jesus just happened to be one of those lucky people that it happened to. Now, Christians readily agree that dead people stay dead, that they don't come back to life. And so what happened to Jesus is a radical, revolutionary, earth-shattering event that changes everything. It's a moment where God shines a spotlight at this particular moment in history on this particular person, Jesus, marking him out as the unique saviour of the world. In this moment, God is acting to redeem his creation. He starts with Jesus, he spreads it out to extend it to those who put their trust in Jesus, and it expands to include the whole of the creation that God has made and is passionate about and wants to restore. So the, the resurrection of Jesus is a unique moment in history. It's not a repeatable scientific experiment. 
The nature of the evidence is historical. Uh, it's based on eyewitness testimony and facts. It can't be proved absolutely. No historical event can be. That's the nature of historical knowledge. But at this pivotal moment in history, there's an empty tomb and people claim that they saw, heard, touched and engaged with the risen Jesus, changing their lives and changing history. So secondly, let's consider alternatives to the resurrection. The thing, and you would know this from experience, the thing about earth-shattering events and radical paradigm shifts is it takes a long time to get your head around it, right? If everything that you thought was true is suddenly challenged, then you've got to reframe your entire way of viewing the world. And that can be too much for people. When Copernicus came along and announced this great new theory that the solar system operates in a different way, not everyone was willing to accept it. People were anxious to stick to what they'd always believed, their old worldviews. And so they, they looked at the evidence that Copernicus presented and they went, yeah, but you know, with a few tweaks and adjustments, we can keep our old theory that the earth is stationary, we can hold our long-standing beliefs and we can kind of force the evidence to fit in with what we already know. It's part of the reason that it took a century before scientific opinion was swayed to this new way of thinking. But eventually the weight of evidence built up, couldn't be resisted any longer, and there was a paradigm shift so that the Copernican way of viewing our solar system became the new norm. And of course, it's, this, it's easy to do the same thing with the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. We can stick to this view that we have, you know, we know that dead people can't come back to life. So any evidence that there might be about an empty tomb and apparent resurrection appearances, it's got to have some other explanation. There's got to be a way that we can fit it into our framework of thinking. And there's a number of alternative explanations that we could choose from. In fact, one of them is mentioned in our Bible passage, that the disciples stole Jesus' body. Right, that would explain the empty tomb and it could explain the resurrection appearances as well. Right? The, the disciples just lied about the fact that they'd seen Jesus. And it's clear that this sort of theory was circulating at the time because Matthew, who's writing this biography of Jesus, puts it in the account. He's not trying to hide it, he talks about it. He argues that the chief priests, who were the religious leaders who had opposed Jesus, um, bribed the guards to spread the story that the disciples stole the body of Jesus. So this theory is an oldie and it's a goodie. Um, I reckon this is possibly the best candidate for an alternative theory for what happened if Jesus didn't actually come back to life. But there's problems with it. Uh, my wife Anna and I love a good crime drama. At the moment, our go-to show, a streaming show uh, of a night time, is Castle. I don't know whether people have watched that one. It's um, crime writer Rick Castle teamed up with Detective Beckett and they try and solve these murder cases together. And one of the questions that they always wrestle with is motive, right? What would have motivated a person to commit the crime? And we can ask the same question about the disciples. What would be their motive 
to steal Jesus' body. The evidence suggests that they were frightened, they were dejected, because Jesus has been publicly executed by the power of the Roman state. Do you really want to go up against those guys for the sake of a dead body? What would they gain from taking Jesus' body? Well, I'll tell you what they did gain. Harassment, persecution, and death is what they got. For the next 300 years, that's basically what every Christian was, had in store. If you jumped up and said, guys, Jesus is risen, then you're in for a brutally hard and probably very short life. In fact, almost all of the first followers of Jesus, the original 12, were put to death for teaching and proclaiming that Jesus had come back to life. Um, as the saying goes, there is no honour amongst thieves. Uh, surely one of these guys would have cracked under the pressure, but they didn't. And their steadfast persistence and the power of their transformed lives was so utterly compelling that the church grew and it grew and it grew despite persecution. So the trouble with this theory that the disciples stole Jesus' body is it leaves this massive hole in the fabric of history. It simply doesn't make sense of the historical data. Where did the church come from if that's what they did? But don't just take my word for it. If this is something that you're questioning, doubting, then wrestle with the question yourself. But I encourage you to wrestle with it and not just dismiss it. It's, it's easy for us to say, look, you know, dead people stay dead, therefore it couldn't have happened and I don't even need to think about it. Something happened at this moment in history. Something happened that led to the explosion of Christianity and it swept through history. Can you explain how it came about? Can you explain the empty tomb, the eyewitness testimony? Do you have an alternative theory that really stands up to scrutiny? Or are you trying to squeeze the facts to fit in with an old belief, an old frame of reference, a way of seeing the world because it's easier that way? And that brings us to our third point, the meaning of the resurrection. Because in many ways, it is easier if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. If Jesus stayed dead, then we're not forced to change anything about our lives, right? We can go happily living for whatever we choose to live for. We can live with ourselves firmly fixed as the centre of the universe. But if Jesus really did rise from the dead, then that changes everything. If you think it was a radical shift to realise that the earth is moving around the sun, how much more radical is it to realise that the world, all human history, all meaning and purpose revolve around the risen Jesus? But that's precisely what it does mean. Have a listen to Jesus' own words in verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The resurrection marks out Jesus as unique, the one who has all authority, the one who is to be worshipped, 
followed and obeyed. The one around whom our lives need to revolve, not the other way around. The world doesn't revolve around money. It doesn't revolve around achievement or success. It doesn't revolve around personal fulfillment. It doesn't revolve around our desires, our needs, our goals. If Jesus really did rise from the dead, if this radical, revolutionary, earth-shattering event actually happened, then it shines a spotlight on Jesus as the one with all authority in heaven and on earth, the one who is uniquely to be trusted, followed, depended on, and obeyed. So our lives need to change in accordance with that reality. We've got to centre our lives on him and our lives need to revolve around him, which is exactly what Jesus goes on to say. He tells his followers, go and make disciples of all nations. Disciples are people who learn from, follow, and model themselves on someone. He insists that people are baptised in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that people publicly identify as followers of Jesus, no matter what the cost. He insists that his teaching be passed on and obeyed by people, right? So Jesus' words aren't just, you know, good advice or nice to have, nice alternative. They are authoritative. They must be obeyed and lived out. And he assures us that he is with us always to the very end of the age, that through his resurrection, because he's defeated the power of death, he's always present with us. He'll never leave us. Now think about it. These are radical, revolutionary and earth-shattering demands that Jesus is placing on people. Right? He's calling us to drastically change the direction of our lives. But it's the flow on implication from Jesus' resurrection from the dead. If Jesus has risen, then we better pay attention. We better centre our lives on him and all of our lives on him. So my challenge for you this Easter is, what does that look like for you personally? Is Jesus the centre of your life? Have you recognised him as this unique person in history and made him your Lord? Do you revolve around him as, as the fixed and unchanging point in your life? When you make decisions, do you make your decisions in relation to Jesus and what he calls us to do? When you think about how you're going to use your time and your energy what you'll put your focus in, uh, what you'll use your resources for, does it revolve around a desire to serve and obey Jesus? Are you committed to his mission to share Jesus with all the nations? Are you, willingly to, are you willing to publicly identify as a disciple of Jesus? 
Now, maybe you're with us tonight uh, or with us there watching uh, at some point later and you don't feel like you're at that point yet, but, but it has got you thinking. What might be your next steps? Well, here's a couple of steps. You might want to take you know, one of the biographies of Jesus. Uh, there's free copies which we'd love to give you tonight. And if you're watching us um, on the stream, there's some links in the video where you can find a copy of uh, the evidence of Jesus' life. I said before, you know, I encourage you to wrestle with the reality of Jesus and not to dismiss him. But the thing is, if you type into YouTube or Google, did Jesus rise from the dead? Uh, you'll get all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff. Some of it will be great, some of it will be strange. <laughs> and the most effective way, if you're looking to explore a historical event and whether it happened, is to go back to the original sources, which uh, these are, these original biographies. Or you might like to sign up for the Alpha course, as Kirk was suggesting before. Um, Alpha's designed to be a, a safe place where you can ask your questions, you can express your doubts, and you can explore this. You'd be welcomed at Alpha, loved, and you'll even be fed. <laughs> Thousands of people have seen Alpha as a great way to actually explore these questions of faith. Or why not chat to someone sitting around you after the service tonight and ask them, what does it mean for you to follow Jesus? See, we believe that the resurrection of Jesus is not just some historical event, but it's a living reality that has an impact on our lives here and now, that we can know Jesus personally and experience him today. And I'm sure that you will find someone around you who would love to talk to you about what it means for them to know Jesus and to share with you what it means to follow Jesus through the challenges of life as well as the joys and what it means for Jesus to be with them. Or lastly, you could talk to Jesus yourself. Uh, Jesus says he is with us always. If he truly has risen from the dead, then he is available for us to talk with, which is what Christians believe prayer is. Now, if you're going to pray and you're not quite sure about it, you might want to preface your prayer by saying something like, Jesus, I don't even know if this stuff about the resurrection is real. I've got some serious doubts. But if it is real, would you help me to get to know you better? Would you reveal yourself to me so that I can know in my own life the reality of your presence and your love? If the world really does revolve around you, then will you show me what I need to change in my life to make you the centre rather than me. Now, I believe that Jesus is risen. And so I believe that he will answer that prayer if you pray it. He will hear it and he's willing to respond to it. So are you willing to give that sort of prayer a go? I'm going to pray to finish and then uh, we're going to spend some more time in prayer together as well. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this day of celebration where we can focus on your resurrection. Wherever we're at today, uh, please would you show us more of yourself? Would you show us 
how we might better centre our lives on you and make sure that they revolve around you. Would you reveal yourself to us, uh, particularly to those who are unsure of you or unsure about the reality of your resurrection? Would you help them to be honest searchers after the truth? And would you show them uh, the reality of your life that they might personally experience uh, the love and the purpose and the direction that you offer each of us? And so we ask these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.